Welcome back, party people, to episode 152 of Where My Killer Tape At. This is the second ginger shot of our 50th anniversary hip-hop discussion. Um, here I'm going to focus on an article that Dream Hampton wrote. It'll be in the show notes as well. Um, I'm going to do a review of Beach Street and the Men's Health 50th anniversary issue. Um, and also the big payback review by the wonderful Dan Charnas. Check it out. Tape, I, I will admit that um, the reason why I'm hesitant to put out this episode is because it's it's very I sound, I sound bitter, first of all, but I'm really not happy with the state of affairs when it comes to hip hop culture, um, especially when it comes to like capitalism and exploitation of black bodies, black and brown bodies. And it's something that and it's like every time I listen to the recordings, I'm like, I don't know if I should put this out because, you know, while everybody's celebrating, I'm kind of like not happy, bro. Um, and I, I wonder if it's because I'm a bitter old man or hindsight or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, and I worry about that. So I'm gonna put it out and I know I keep putting them out late, but I'm gonna keep putting these joints out. Word. to say is that I made a, a big a mistake. And I do this all the time because, again, I go off of memory. So I, last episode, in episode 150, 150 I said that uh, Wild Style came out in 1984. I was wrong. It came out in 1983. So, we're, But Beat Street, what we're going to talk about today, right, come, came out in 1984, a year later. And it was directed by Stan Latham. And look, let me say this. Respect to Stan Latham. Respect all day to Stan Latham. He is a GOAT. He is an OG. But by the time he did B Street, he was in his 40s. Wasn't really in touch with the hip-hop community as it was at that time. So he directed B Street. Now, I went to see B Street. I think B Street was one of the first movies I went to see by myself. I think the other time my mother took me to see it. You know, every other movie I saw, even Star Wars, I went with a parent or with my school. I went by myself with my little brother. Shout out to DJ Disdolo. He came with me. And of course, at the age of 11, I was enamored by it. You know what I'm saying? I was caught up in it. But the thing about B Street is that it didn't really age that well. And a lot of, I remember a lot of the older cats in my neighborhood didn't like it. They didn't like it. They thought that shit was trash. And I can see why. Um, because um, unlike Wild Style, um, it was, you know, the main cast was just actors who were who were trying to be participants of hip-hop culture so the guy that played Ramon you know uh the guy that played Lee um the guy that played you know Domingo all of these were actors you know what I mean which we see which which 
and I'm not trying to make excuses for it, but Hollywood does it all the time um, where they get actors to play whatever culture they're, they're, they they want to discuss or focus on or even appropriate, right? Um, a good example would be Mark DeCascos and Only the Strong. Shout out to Mark DeCascos. That's the homie. No disrespect to you. You are you are dope and you're always about the culture. And I'm a huge fan and can't wait to meet you one day because I, I think you're the bomb. So I'm not disrespecting you. I'm going after Hollywood. Anyway, B Street is to hip-hop cinema, and I use that word loosely, as um, Rapper's Delight is to um, MCs, right? Because, for example, Rapper's Delight, um, which was definitely corporate. That, if it is a plant, it's Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight is a plants. Those are plants. Um, those brothers that were in that group, um, they are plants. You know what I mean? So, But Beat Street is the same thing. It was corporate structure hollywood trying to jump on this hip-hop thing before it blew up so really bishu doesn't stand the test of time and i think that's because of it because it wasn't really authentic but i will not deny its legacy and i will not deny its influence because i know a lot of b-boys and b-girls who started getting down because of b street i know a lot of mcs around the world who started doing their thing because of b street a lot of people fell in love with hip-hop culture because of b street so i can't deny its influence um, I will point out that there's two important parts of B Street. The first one is the battle between um, Rocksteady Crew and the New York City Breakers at the Roxy. Um, that was an actual real battle. And that was one of the two times where Crazy Legs did that finishing move where he does the backspin and he freezes while putting his shoes into his hands. I've tried it and with no, no luck and I probably never will try it again. I think I jammed two of my fingers attempting those things. But yeah, but... um. He, he did that um, in there. And then, of course, there's another scene between both crews in the train station. But that one was like a lot shorter than the, than the other battle. So I think that's probably the only authentic part. And then when Grandmaster Flash and them sang that song, Ramon, at the end. Um, and I said everything else is just, you know, like, oh, let's take this and go forward with it. So I don't really have a favorable review of B Street. Again, I will not deny its influences, but definitely. Um, Shouldn't even be in your collection. <laughs> Word is born. So I definitely checked out um, Men's Health um, special issue um, that had uh, Busta, Method Man, 50 Cent, um, Ludacris, Common, and Wiz Khalifa on the cover. They... Uh, they don't spend that much time. You know, like, I really thought when they said special issue that it was going to spend a lot of time on hip-hop, but they only cover about... Really, there's about eight pages of text. I could be off by one or two pages. Um, so they don't really spend a lot of time on hip-hop like I thought they would, um, especially since it's the 50th anniversary, and they said it was a special issue. Um, it was it was edited by uh, Keith Nelson, who's done a lot of stuff over the years. Um, I think the part that really bothered me the most is they spent about, they talked to Dougie Fresh about self-destruction. A dope um, um, pop, um, single that came out in the 80s when a lot of brothers were being gunned down, you know, in the street. Um, and they only spent us, you know, again, they, it's a short interview. And then they, they do get into the fitness thing. But again, like, 
it's just sad that 50 years of hip-hop music and like when we talk about things like self-destruction when we talk about things like um um you know mental health it's like not really given a lot you know um and it's wild i get it because hip-hop is like youth culture and a lot of it is you know you know because of this youth culture a lot of young people you know when i was young i did the same thing too i still do you know drugs and alcohol but it's just like wow like this is what we got this is this is what we got men's health like they could have i think they could have done more they could have talked to more people there's a lot of people they could have talked to um and, and again they spend a small little bit on mental health when they interview vic mensa but it's a short interview but it's just that's all you guys got is a, it's a dope photo shoot and I get it. it. Men's health usually, on their covers, they usually have good-looking men on there that are that, that work out. Um, that's how that's how they sell it, you know. I, I, and I like men's health. I'm not even gonna lie. I don't subscribe to it, but I do enjoy reading it every now and then. I use a lot of their articles. But the 50th hip hop is 50. Like it, it, it it's lackluster. It's, you know, don't don't sell me that. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like clickbait almost. Like you sold me this. I thought the, 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 the issue itself would cover more about hip-hop culture, but it really doesn't. So other than the eye candy, like, I think it's dope. Like, I think it's going to be a collector's item because of who's on the cover. And there's two different covers, just the FYI. I took the one with Busta, Meth, and 50 on the front, and then it opens up with an inset and has the rest of them in there. Um, but they could have they done more. They could have interviewed other people, too. Definitely want to talk about this article. It, it, it and, and shout out to the big homie Zemo because he sent me another article that I need to talk about in the next episode. But um, this 50th anniversary of hip hop, I've been ambiv ambivalent. That's a that's a testimony. I'm on the fence about a lot of things. There's certain things that I'm excited about and happy about, but there's a lot of things that are that are a cause of disappointment. And one of them, Dream Hampton addresses in this article. Um. Helena Andrews Dyer of the Washington Post did an interview with Dream Hampton called With Ladies First, Dream Hampton Complicates the History of Women in Hip Hop, which I feel like is a bad is a bad title for it. And I know she probably, Helena Andrews Dyer, probably didn't have any control with, with um, the title because usually the editors have something to do with that. And they know that they want people to, to click on the title if it, if it looks, you know, funny. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a loaded title, right? Anyway, I'm going to post it in the show notes. Please read it. Like, stop right here and read the article and then come back. Um, she says a couple of things that really, like, were so, they were very sobering. Sobering is a word that I'm looking for, right? Because you're in the celebration and somebody comes through and it's like, yo, hold on, cuz, right? And let me just say this before I go any further. Hip-hop culture is, is, and I can't remember where I got this analogy from. Not about hip-hop culture, but just the analogy I'm about to use. Hip-hop culture is like that uncle that um, paid your way to college but molested one of your cousins. You know what I mean? Like, that's really, really, really what it is. Um, and she says quite a few things here that I, that I definitely have to address, and you kind of already know how I feel about it. Um, for example, she does say that um, 
the Mount Rushmore of hip-hop have all been accused by dozens of people of abuse. And that would be Bambada, as an African Bambada, Russell Simmons, and Dr. Dre. And yes, they all, matter of fact, most recently, Dr. Dre, his wife that he's divorced from, accused him of physical abuse. And we know that he had assaulted D. Barnes back in the day. And Russell Simmons, you know his story, and I have talked a lot about, publicly and privately, about African Bambada and his and his um allegations of abuse but that one really like hit me um and you know how i feel about zulu nation and everything and all the work that we've done and how pretty much it's just been flushed on the toilet with the actions of not just african bada but also the world council um so then she asked um she asked dream hampton do you believe hip-hop is revolutionary was it ever and she points out you can't be revolutionary with broken gender politics. You can't be revolutionary and be homophobic. And this is before we even get to capitalism. To be homophobic, transphobic, and misogynistic, no, you're not a revolutionary. You're not even a radical. You're actually quite status quo. What it was was a radical sound, and that's not even true anymore. And that's something that, like, when I read this article, I was like, wow. And and I came across this article because there is a, uh, a video cast that I watch, um, um, Black Power Media, and Dr. Jared Ball, he he brought up this article, and he actually interviewed, they interviewed Dream Hampton, it wasn't him, but somebody from Black Power Media interviews Dream Hampton, but Dr. Jared, which I haven't watched yet, but Dr. Jared Ball actually addresses what she says, well, he doesn't address, he just brings it up, like he, he reiterates what she says, because Black Power Media, their focus is on capitalism and its co-opting of hip-hop culture, which we'll discuss in the next the next um, episode where we talk about hip-hop culture. The Mount Rushmore remark really, like, got me in the heart, right? Because, especially with Bambada, but she's she's right. She's definitely right that when we look at the, the the people that like we consider like the cornerstones of it all, whether we talk about the business or the culture of it, they're really monsters. And and really, there hasn't really been any justice. There hasn't been any accountability um, when it comes to the abuse of women. And I know that I know that hip hop, particularly the music, is a reflection of the overall culture, right? So. We live in a capitalist patriarchy, a white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. So the music is in a reflection of that. But we we thought that the idea of hip hop culture in of itself was revolutionary or radical, or however you want to dice it. And as Dream Hampton has stated, and and Trisha Rose before her, um, it isn't. It's it's like a, a big giant lens. It's actually it actually supports the status quo, right? And, um, and and it's funny because here's the ironic point. I've talked about this when we talk about Bambada all the time. When 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 we talk about misogynoir, when we talk about the rape of black women, usually people, men in particular, men in particular, will say, well, nobody talks about the rape of black boys. And here is a man, African Bambada, who has raped black boys for decades. And where's the justice there? Where's the outcry there from men? Right. In particular, right from men. Right. If anything, men have been more protective of him. Um, when we talk about people like Karis One and other um, hip hop heads, they've been very protective of him. Shoot. Men that I know and love 
uh, men, men that I knew and loved have been very protective of him. Um, and that's a shame. It's a damn shame because Dream Hampton is just calling us out. And we haven't really, like, we haven't, <laughs> like, we haven't addressed it with no accountability whatsoever. And it's sobering, very, very, very sobering, right, when you think about it, especially all that we've accomplished. And, again, people can argue all day that it's a reflection, but here's supposed to be a voice that's supposed to be for the people, a voice of the voiceless. That's what we've been saying, right, that it's the voice of the voiceless. And, actually, we've mimicked the oppressor, as Franz Fanon said. He said we either, you know, we either, we, we're either going to fight or mimic the oppressor. And I know I'm paraphrasing it. And, and. And we haven't done that. And then um, she ends the the interview. Well, the way they wrote, they wrote it because they said they did cut this interview short. She says, um, you hear someone like Drake say that women are doing the most right now. But for the most part, it comes from D. Barnes being beat up by Dr. Dre to Meg being shot by Tori. Which I'm glad she pointed it out because we're learning that a lot of people um, for Tory's for Tory Lane's sentencing, which I definitely needed. I think I talked about it before. During his sentencing, a lot of people wrote letters of recommendation for him. A lot they reviewed quite a few of them, and it's it's ill to note because, like I always say, shutting up is free. Um, but. You know, the, the, the debate came back up again of whether he's innocent or not. And, of course, it's always, you know, separated by gender lines. Most men thought he was innocent. And I, some even say he was railroaded, right? For I don't know what reason, right? And I'm not – let, let me just say this. I'm not saying that hip-hop is our savior. But you would think that more more of us would put spotlights on misogynoir or, or violence towards black women – um, particularly domestic violence and intimate partner violence because a lot of our mamas and aunties are victims of this. A lot of the women that we, we partner with are victims of, of, of intimate partner violence and domestic violence, whether it's from us or from somebody else. And it's like really discussing hip-hop music at all, if that. Um, I think it's maybe a handful of songs that are addressed it by men um, and, and few by women. So it's... Wow, you know, like here we are, 2023, and it's still an issue. Again, I'm not saying that hip hop is supposed to save us, but can we even have that discussion within this culture? She goes on to point out that hip hop is not a culture, um, and it's, and she would say that at one time it was a movement. So that's something that we also have to address, maybe in a different podcast. But the article is sobering. Again, I'm going to put it in the show notes. But at least let's have this discussion. At least let's talk about that, right? Can we do that? Lord, Lord of mercy, all night and day and crew. Follow me now, Lord of mercy, all night and day and crew. Follow me now, Lord of mercy, all night and day and crew. Follow me now, Lord of mercy, all night and day and crew. Follow me now. Since I'm a podcast, it's only important that I talk about other podcasts who are covering hip-hop the way I kind of like want to discuss it, you know, A-likes, right? Um, one definitely joint I, I would definitely check out, especially for heads my age, is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I'm a big fan of them. Episode 274 has Merz in it. Merz is probably one of the most underrated MCs in the culture for like pretty much the last 15 years. He co- continues to put out dope product. He keeps it real, does dope production, you know, like, 
there's only like one album he did I dislike, but everything else that he did, I'm still like, there's still albums that I haven't even explored yet. My favorite is the ones he did with Knife Wonder, but um, Bad Bob Rap Pop, all the stuff they do is pretty dope, and they're um, hip-hop. So what they, Two of them are MCs, but the rest are participants who are most immersed in um, California hip-hop culture, um, and they're just really dope. They're really dope. I even got a coffee mug from them. But definitely check them out, especially episode 274. Really, any of the episodes, because they deal with old school stuff. So, um, Damon Young is somebody I follow. He wrote a he wrote um, he wrote that really dope book y'all should check out. And we, I did review it um, called um, what is it called? It's called it's, it's it's a it's a it's a like flip off a phrase that we always use. What doesn't kill you make you blacker. That's what it's called. Really dope book. He has a podcast. It's called Stuck. And he has an episode with, with, with Clover Hope and Ronnie Carmichael called Does Rap Suck Now or Am I Just Old? So definitely check that one out. Um, and then another one, you, sh- you should already be subscribed to Questlove's um, podcast, which is dope. He has Fonte on there. And he did one with Styles P. It's really dope. I definitely recommend y'all checking it out because they deal with health. So those three those three um, podcasts and those particular episodes, you should check, definitely check them out. I'm going to try to put them in the um, show notes so you could listen to them. But definitely do them. I'm a fan of all of them. Um, um, That's probably why I'm so behind in all my podcast episodes. Word. For this episode, I want to talk about uh, Dan Charnas's The Big Payback, The History of the Business of Hip Hop. Um, it's not a not a new book, just like Jeff Chang's book. It's not a new book. It came out in 2010. And I'll be like, oh, what the hell? And it probably needs to be updated. But um, it, it, the reason why I think it's dope is because it this is before, you know, Diddy became a billionaire, Jay-Z became a billionaire. That Dre became a billionaire. This is really much where, where um, he talks a lot about you know Master P's hustle. He focuses on you know what people were doing in the Bay Area in California and how they were selling stuff out their trunk. Um, he talked about um, you know how Easy E got on uh, before he got with Jerry Heller and how he did his thing, um, and then just pretty much how a lot of the early um, contracts were put on. So it's really dope. Much of it is the grassroots telling. And, you know, Dan Charnas is very, very detailed. He's very, very detailed. If you read his Dilla book, I did a review on that before. He's very detailed. And, and like the Dilla book, it is a huge tone. But you will read through it very, 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 very quickly. Um, and really, anything that Dan Charnas puts down, you should definitely check out. Um, but, he, you know, he starts from, you know, Sugar Hill Records and Grandmaster Flash at the Furious Five to how Run DMC did their crossover um, and, and, you know, and then into what Jay-Z and, and, and Diddy do, does, or Sean Combs, whatever you want to talk about it. Um, he does talk about, you know, Liar Cohen, Russell Simmons, and all those guys. But I, I really, in my opinion, because I, I look at Liar Cohen and all of them, I always look at them as suspect. But, you know, the grassroots stuff is what I took out of it. Um, and it's definitely something that, um, the, you know, if you notice that when they do have these documentaries, that Charnas is always bought in. So it's something that we definitely need to talk about, especially when we talk about how capitalism has taken over hip hop culture. 
Um, and, and, you know, you know, shortly after he wrote this book, right? And some would say that, you know, Diddy opened the doors and Larry Cohen and them opened the doors for capitalism to take over and kind of sort of agree with that. Uh, he doesn't get into that discussion here. Um, he just, all he's done is noting the history of things, who's connected to who, who made the deals. And I think, and I think those things are very, very important when we talk about, you know, the 50 years of hip hop culture. So it should definitely be in your library if you're reading um, hip hop, as well as his other book, uh, Dilla Time, um, um, The Life and the Afterlife of Jay Dilla, um, which I think is a very important book when it comes to hip hop production. It should be in your library. So definitely check it out. First of all, thank you for listening to where my killer tape at. You could have been anywhere else, but here you are. So I appreciate your support. I know I've been saying this every year, but I'm still trying to sell 100 coffee mugs. Um, the link is in there. It's from Cafe Press. Please support the podcast. I wanted to remain as independent as fuck. Now, if you want to continue the conversation, you can do it on spills or on threads. And just make sure you hashtag where my killer tape at. Killer is spelled K-I-L-L-A. If you want to get a hold of me, I can be found on Spills at Dan Trezomi, on brother on Instagram and Threads at Brother Omi, and that's B R O T H E R O M I. Dan Trezomi is spelled D A N T R E S O M I. So definitely support. Go to the website omisbench.com, O M I S Bench B E N C H dot com, and all my information will be on there. Thank you for supporting the show, and we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>